to another episode of According to Fox. I'm your host, A. Fox. Today is a very special day, so it warrants a very special episode. Today is December 4th, and it is the GOAT's birthday. Jay-Z, Sean Corey Carter is the big 5-0 today. Jay-Z is like the best rapper of all time. I don't care who has to disagree. In the first episode, I made it very clear. There will be no Jay-Z slander ever tolerated on this show. So this is his golden age, I believe. His 50th birthday is a big milestone. So we're going to take this episode and celebrate his accomplishments and everything he's done in how he's transformed throughout the years. You know, we have our Streets is Talking segment, which is one of his songs. He even had a a video, a a little movie back in the late 90s based on it. And so Jay-Z's very, he's an integral part in my life. And most people who are students of rap or who even enjoy music, who have any kind of hip-hop IQ believe Jay-Z is the GOAT. So, for his birthday, I kind of want to delve into that. So, let's start by going into discography. You know, he started with um, Dame, Dame Dash, and Biggs Burke. They started the Rockefeller Records label um, under Polygram and Def Jam. And they pretty much did reasonable doubt almost out of their pockets, out of the trunk. And then when they made the deal with Def Jam, that's when he really started to buzz. Um, he had a lot of joints on that album. People know Can't Knock the Hustle. I personally enjoy feeling it. Um, that President's... What else is on that album? 22 Twos. Cashmere Thoughts, The Evils. He had a lot of joints on that album. Reasonable Doubt was definitely a classic. Super slept on at the time. I'm not saying right now, but at the time, very slept on. From what I hear. I was all of 11 when it dropped. <laughs> but it was slept on because people didn't give it. It's, it's, you know, just due until probably five, six years later. Um, well, then there was In My Life Sound, which is one of my personal favorites. I believe that's almost a perfect album. Sunshine isn't everybody's favorite. Um, I Know What Girls Like isn't everybody's favorite track, but you have Lucky Me, You Must Love Me, 
what else? Um, where I'm from, Marcy Sun ain't nothing nice. That that album was very introspective. You know, he told you about himself, where he was from, things that he did coming up, growing up, how he used to sell drugs, and you know how he basically how he came up. In my lifetime was pretty much the perfect title to that album. Then you have Hard Knock Life, Volume 2. This is his first real commercial album that kind of took off his, his success. But I have to be very honest. That is my least favorite Jay-Z album. He, has, he does not have a bad album. Jay-Z's worst album is still like 40 times better than anybody's like best work. But I didn't like it because it was, to me, it was too many features on it. It wasn't because it lacked depth or anything like it. I just like Jay-Z, Jay-Z. I like Jay-Z by himself. I don't think he needs a thousand rappers on anything. You know, I think he can hold his own. But for what it's worth, he did have dope features. He had Reservoir Dogs. Um, I mean, that's not a feature. That's an album that had, <laughs> that's a song that had a few features. Um, he had um, The Locks, DMX, Source Money. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention Brooklyn Finest in the volume one in my lifetime one. My apologies, Brooklyn. R.I.P. Biggie. Um, back to volume two. Of course, Hard Knock Life, the title track, where Nipsey actually said that Jay cleared the sample so everybody in hip-hop could be able to use it. So that's big. That's a huge deal. Um, Hard Knock Life 2 definitely paved the way for his own success. A lot of people wasn't, like, on Jay-Z until that album came out. Then there was Volume 3, Life and Times of S.Doc Carter. You know, it had Big Pimp in, but, um, again... Not too many people were on that. I'm not saying it was trash. I actually, I don't mind that album either. It had Dope Man. It had a couple of hidden tracks. It had Jigga My Nigga on it as a hidden track. It had um, A Girl's Best Friend hidden track. But then it had Dope Man on that as well. He had a couple of songs on Volume 3. And that came out, I want to say, 99. So he almost, basically, he came out with an album every year. Because Reasonable Doubt was 96. Volume 1 is 97. Hard Knock Life was 98. And Volume 3 was 99. So in 2000, he dropped the Dynasty compilation. I feel like I might be too soon, but I might, I think I'm right. 2000 was the Dynasty compilation. Um, That's when he introduced us to Beanie Siegel, even though he was already on Volume 2 and everything. But he introduced us to the state property. So Beanie was on that. Memphis Bleak was on that. Emil was on that. Um, Scarface. The Dynasty was basically just a, a Rockefeller compilation album. You, Me, Him, and Her was a track. It was it was some joints on there. I, I like Soon You'll Understand. 
a lot of people don't know that song, but you should check it out. That was a good one. And also, This Can't Be Life, that was a very good song. You should hear that too. Then, the classic that everybody pretty much agrees is The Blueprint. Where he pretty much declared his beef with Nas would take over. You got H to the Izzo. You don't know. Um, what else was on Blueprint? Blueprint was fire. My mama loves me. Lyrical exercise. Blueprint literally was a classic album. It came out two thousand one, nine eleven when the tower dropped. A very a crazy day for my city and for the country, but. You know, I'm a New Yorker, so 9-11 hit us different. But, yeah, Blueprint was when everybody realized, wow, this guy really is one of the greatest, if not the greatest. And when he got it, now I was on TakeOver, that's when we knew it, it was serious. Definitely serious. The next album was The Blueprint 2. And it was a double disc, and it was Blueprint 2, Gift, and a Curse. The thing, the problem I have with double discs are they are very ambitious. And I feel like instead of having lofty dreams of making a classic double disc album, you can make another classic album by not having a double disc. (laughs) Like, some double discs are just, they're fillers. And you don't need them. I could have went without about four songs on The Gift and four songs on The Curse. And if we would have put The Gift and The Curse together without those four songs, we could have had a classic album back to back. With Hovey Baby and another guy's disc, the Blueprint 2 song. He had Meet the Parents. A Dream. With Faith on it. He had a lot of songs on it. And it, he didn't have to add the, the Sean Paul song. I could have I could have done without the Sean Paul song. Um, Could have done without the song as one. I understood why he needed that song with all the Rockefeller on it. But I was okay without it. But that was his, that was his shot at a double album. Because he never had one before that. Um, I guess he wanted to, you know, jump on that momentum, which that that was the blueprint. So he gave his blueprint too. And that was in, yeah, that was like 2002, I believe, 2002. So then he told us that he quit rap. He decided December. 2004, he was done with rap. He was done. He didn't have anything more to prove and gave us the Black Album. And the Black Album was pretty much a perfect album. It started off with December 4th, his mother talking. He had Dirt Off Your Shoulder, 99 Problems, Threat, My First Song, Allure, Change Clothes, 
he gave us a perfect album to leave us off with. And, you know, he was supposed to start his tenure as the president of Dev Jam. He was now President Carter. Like, he transitioned from Jay-Z, rap, Jay-Z the rapper to President Carter, you know, now the, the mogul, you know, corporate Jay-Z. But he couldn't stay away from us that long. And 2007, he came back to us. And he gave us Kingdom Come. I don't care what anyone says. I thoroughly enjoyed Kingdom Come. I loved Kingdom Come. I thought it was a damn good album. I've heard people say Kingdom Come was trash. Kingdom Come was equal to Nostradamus. It is not. Kingdom Come, I can still listen to today. Rock Boys, Minority Report. I I can do without the Usher song. That Usher song didn't work for me either. Dirty's New 20 was a good song. I liked it. Like, I think, I mean, it wasn't the best album to come back with, but it wasn't a bad album. It wasn't. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Kingdom Come was great. I don't care what anybody says. My favorite of all time, though, has to be American Gangsta. American Gangsta came out at the same time as the movie American Gangsta did with um, Denzel Washington. Shout out to Step Daddy. My mother told me Denzel was supposed to be my father, so that's why I call him Step Daddy. Um, yeah, so basically, it's based on Jay's life, but Jay's life mirrored to Frank Lucas's. So most of the songs on there could honestly be equated to the movie. And it's not like it's a soundtrack at all. He literally made it, and like the movie inspired him to make the album. And there's the the title track, American Gangster. There's Sweet. There was... What else we got it? Oh, I am bugging. I believe Rock Boys is on American Gangster. Yes, I said it on the wrong album. My apologies. Um, There's Sweet. There's Pray. Blue Magic was a very good song. Um, The song with him and Nas' success was kind of... They already squashed the beef. But having them on the record together was big. So success was a good one. Um, Falling. Ignorant Shit with Beanie. Great track. It was, yeah, it was good. It was definitely one of my favorite Jay-Z albums ever. I love American Gangsta. It it showed, because honestly, he really, you couldn't hear it. You could hear him basically basically pours hard out in those tracks. I know where he compares, you know, heroin, and it sounds like he's talking about a woman, but he's really talking about drugs. That was great. And this was, what, yeah, 2008. This had to be 2008. And Blueprint 3 was in 2009. In 2009... 
That's when they dropped Empire State of Mind with Alicia Keys, which has become New York's unofficial new, you know, song. He had J. Cole and Drake on it, which was big because they were like newbies at the time. They just started out pretty much. Of course, they're the biggest names in rap right now, but they really just started out, and it, and it was so dope. It was a big deal for to have them on Jay Z's album. Like it really showed how Jay was, you know, he has in the streets, and being that he's one of the people that discovered Cole, it was cool. He gave the, um Cole a verse. Drake not so much. Drake had a hook. Um, a star is born. What else did they have? Of course, Death for Auto Soon was on that. Run This Town. As Real As It Gets With Jeezy. What We Talking About. It was it was a lot of songs on that. Blueprint 3 was a very good set. Like I said, Jay-Z has no bad albums. Not one. His worst album is like pretty much your favorite's best by Tom Street. I said it. I'm I'm a hundred percent biased. I'm not ashamed. And this is like two thousand nine, yeah. So Jay has been amazing. He's been doing a lot when it comes to music. Um as I told you before, like it seems like Jay Z didn't take any breaks, but he did. Because between Blueprint three the next album he had was Magna Carta Holy Grail. After that, I believe I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But yeah, I think the next album was Magna Carta Holy Grail. And I'm not going to lie. I am not a fan. <laughs> that is, I'm lying. Because, all right, I guess we could add Watch the Throne is a Jay-Z Kanye collab. So I guess, I'll, yeah, I'll add that. Um, Watch the Throne is a damn good album. So there is a bit of a, you know, discussion about who was the better rapper on that album. Was it Kanye or was it Jay? Again, I'm always going to say it's Jay. On that album, there was Otis, Niggas in Paris, No Church in the Wild, Why I Love You, That's My Bitch, Welcome to the Jungle, Ham, things like that. That was a damn good album. I, you could say that album is a classic. I, I think you, you'll be met by maybe a couple of non-believers, but... Arguably, it's a classic album. Now back to um, Magna Carta, Holy Grail. I I didn't like it. I it, it even his bet even his worst is better than most, but I didn't love that album. Um, it had Tom Ford, Holy Grail. I thought the hook was amazing on Holy Grail. I thought Justin Timberlake was the shit. Um, I really did. Um, Oceans, Fuck Up the World, 
Tom Ford. Mm. On the run with Beyonce, I guess. A lot of a lot of ladies like that song. Um, Beach is better. He had quotables. He had a lot of. He had some joints on there, but I I have to admit when I first heard it, and when I like gave it like five run throughs, I actually said I would be okay if Jay Z never released another album. I'd be content. He gave me enough good music throughout my lifetime. I'd be fine. This was in 2013. I admit it. I I I said it. It didn't feel good when I said it, but I did. Um. Then around when was it? July fourth. Did it come out July fourth? I feel like I was bumping it July fourth. July fourth, I started bumping it. But I think it came out June 30th. Um, June 30th, 2017. He made me eat my words in the craziest way when he gave me 444. Like, I literally had to take back everything bad I said about Magna Carta Holy Grail when he dropped this insane album. Like, and if you're a Jay-Z fan, hearing so many intimate parts of his life, it didn't shock you because he spoke about most of these things throughout his career. So you already knew half of this stuff. But it's still, this album still was amazing. 444 was great. I still listen to that weekly. 444 had Kill Jay-Z. The story of OJ, Family Feud, the title track. Oh, please listen to 444. Please. I beg of you. You should listen to the title track alone. Um, Moonlight, everything. And what made it so much better was on title, he had something called Footnotes. And almost every song, I pr- pretty much like... Yeah, a good amount of every song on the album had footnotes to it. So, 444 had about, I want to say, like a 14-minute video. And you see snippets of, like, actors, athletes. Most of them, like, like 98% of them are black men. Um, dignitaries, whoever. Having conversations on relationships and trouble in their marriages. And it was so enlightening and so insightful because you rarely get to hear our men speak on topics like that. And they were so open and they didn't seem like they were like, you know, closed up about it that they had to hide or they had to say certain things. Like they really had an open forum to say what they felt like saying and it seemed cathartic for them. And it was it was amazing. Um, they had one for Kill Jay Z. It was it was really good. It was it was really good. You guys should really check it out. It it was an amazing album. He basically poured his heart out. Him and Beyonce. Well, he said his um issues about what was going on with him and his wife. 
um, because the year before, Beyonce came out with Lemonade, and I guess that was his answer to Lemonade, and wow, it blew me away. So, then I guess I have to add this one. So, um, in 2018, him and Beyonce had a joint album called Everything is Love. So, I guess that's the trilogy. Lemonade was part one, 444 was part two, and Everything Love is part, Everything is Love was part three. Um, and it was, it was... It was a good album. I'm not saying it wasn't. It was a very good album. But I don't feel like it was in the same vein as Lemonade and 444. Like, it was basically, they were talking their bullshit, as they should. They're both bosses in their own right. And it was, like, they had songs like Ape Shit, I Love Summer, I Love Black Effect, and Love Happy. 713 was cool, too. Boss, nice, friends was fire. You know, it was a very, very good album. And I think it was just to show people we're okay now. We're good. You know, they just gave birth um to twins at the time. So, you know, they're they're a family of five now, party of five. So I guess that was their way of telling the public that, you know, their marriage is now on course and they're on steady ground, even though they didn't have to, but that was their way of, you know, telling us that everything is love between them. So that's pretty much his discography. He gave us 13 years worth of music. I'm lying, 23 years worth of music. My math was terribly off just now. (laughs) But yes, he gave us 23 years worth of good music, great music. You know, consistently great music, which is why he is the greatest of all time. And again, my favorite albums out of those has to be, in my lifetime, American Gangster. And yeah, Reasonable Doubt, my favorite albums. So, you know, throughout all this time, Jay-Z has transitioned right in front of us, like, he, we, we don't even call him Jay-Z anymore, we call him Hove, even though he gave himself that name, as he says, with the weight of the world on his shoulders, that's why they call him Hove, he's far from being God, but he works goddamn hard, lyrical exercise, we call him Hove, and we just, we don't even call him Jay-Z anymore, but Hove's, like, transition to Sean Carter has been so effortless, but we've, like, literally seen it, like, step by step. Like, when we saw him find Rihanna, he discovered Rihanna, he discovered J. Cole. You know, he gave us state property, he gave us Rockaware. We were all wearing our little Rockaware, you know, velour suits and... Little state property drug dealing jackets <laughs> back in the early 2000s. And, you know, Armadale Vodka when we were allowed to drink. And, you know, his his step from being a, a drug dealer to a rapper to a mogul, like, in front of our very eyes, 
So once he quit rap, so to speak, and started running Def Jam, we were like, wow, he's really, like, made that step. He's really, like, bigger than rap now. He's about to bring people up and, you know, make another hole. (laughs) And, you know, it didn't quite turn out that way, but he's become bigger in so many ways. Like... He's hip-hop's first billionaire because he was getting criticized lately about speaking on art and investing and people are saying, you know, that's what he talks about and how are we supposed to relate to somebody and we can't afford art. And that's what actually got him over that billionaire cat, like him Owning, I want to say, I think it's at $25 million worth of art is what set him into billionaire status. Like, he's become bigger than we ever expected him to be. I know it was always in his goals and in his thought process that he was going to be a billionaire, but seeing it is something different. Like, me seeing it, because 23 years, it definitely does not seem... Like, that's a short time. But it is. 1996 does not seem like it was that long ago to now. And not only is he a billionaire, he's now become somewhat of an activist and a philanthropist. So, with Meek's situation, you know, he's brought it to the forefront. Even though we already knew that the justice system for our people is bullshit, that it's not for us, that they're not here to, you know... We're not innocent till proven guilty. He even had a song called Guilty Until Proven Innocent. Like, that's what the justice system sees us as. Um, he basically brought it to everyone's attention how unjustly Meek's prison sentence was and how parole, how basically his whole parole sentencing and hearings were outlandish and they didn't even have to happen. You know, he's been paying people's bills without anyone knowing. Like, 21 Savage was deported, and Jay-Z helped him from that. He basically paid whatever, I think, ICE, what kind, I don't think it's bail. Don't quote me on it. But whatever ICE needed to attain to have him sent back to the States, Jay-Z did that. You know... I don't know the controversy surrounding him being a part of the NFL. I know he's received a lot of backlash because they're saying how he's not for Colin Kaepernick because he's joined the NFL, but I know Jay-Z is never serious wrong. And he definitely played a hand into getting him that workout. So he is at the forefront of making things better for us. He's really, he hasn't taken his money and forgotten where he's come from or forgotten his people. Jay-Z is taking his money and found a way to make it work for us. You know what I'm saying? Hove has literally been showing people the way ever since he's been, you know, here. Ever since he's been at this status with Nipsey... You know, he said he took a, a, a shine in Nipsey because he saw 
what Nipsey was doing for his community and saw how he was trying to uplift his people. And he really respected him for that, especially for a person at such a young age. And, you know, to see him going, that's when he did that freestyle for him. And it was a very, it was a fire freestyle. And he is making the changes that everybody talks about doing. He's, he's about it. And he doesn't have to be. You know how many people make money and say, I have my money now, fuck y'all. He's not doing that. He's never done that. I actually appreciate him for it. He's, that's why he's the GOAT. He's not the GOAT just for rapping. He's not the GOAT just for all the albums he's made. He's the GOAT because he's literally the greatest of all time. He's making the change. He is the, he is the change. And it's, it's commendable to see how I believe the president, not my president, he's the president of the United States, but he ain't mine. Um, I believe he referred to him as a just a drug dealer. And to see that person who was just a drug dealer become someone who's never been bankrupt, like the president has been a number of times, um, a person who's always uplifted his people and become a billionaire on his own without a a loan from a bank or a, you know, like he really made it out the mud. If that's not a, a Cinderella story, I don't know what is. Because the man from Mossy Projects is now when... The richest man in hip-hop. And, you know, that was supposed to be... They considered hip-hop a fad. And we're about 40 years strong at this point. And he's made sure that our artists and our culture aren't as appropriated. He made sure that we're celebrated and we're compensated for the things that we do. You know, he he also voices his opinions on things that he should. It's a lot of people who stay away from certain, you know, topics. He's been very vocal about, you know, what happened to Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, Eric Garner. He's been super supportive of Colin Kaepernick. He's been super supportive of Meek Mill. He's been an advocate for us for quite some time. So that's why I wanted this episode to be dedicated to him and all he's done for us, for our culture, musically and like as well as you know politically, even though it's not politics, but whatever you do for the community and for the world as well, it it should be political because he's making a change, and we have to commend him for that. We have to acknowledge him for that. We have to appreciate him for that. So on December fourth, which is Jay Z's fiftieth day, fiftieth birthday. I want to thank him for not just 23 years of amazing music, 
but just for continuing to fight for us and for being more than a role model, but for being an inspiration to all of us. So thank you, Sean Corey Carter, <laughs> for all that you've done. Thank you, Mama Gloria Carter, for making you too. She seems like an amazing lady. <laughs> but um, happy birthday, Hope. This was According to Fox.